a new year is upon us, which means it is going to take me at least another month to actually write the correct date. 2020 has begun. Everything has a beginning. You had a beginning. Your family had a beginning. Your faith also has a starting point. And one day, you're living for yourself, and then the next day, you're living for Christ. And the moment at which that change occurred was a pivotal moment. Those moments are caused by game changers. So we're going to be talking about game changers. A game changer is an idea or event that causes a significant shift in the way you do things or the way that you think about something. In sports, an athlete or a specific play can actually change the whole outcome of the game. So I want to give you an example. In week 14 of college football, Georgia played Georgia Tech. And Georgia was winning by a lot. All they had to do was hold steady, and they would win the game. But then their star wide receiver got into a fight with a member of Georgia Tech's team. And that star wide receiver was ejected from the game. But more importantly, he was ejected from the next game. So Georgia did go on to win this game against Georgia Tech. However, their next game was against LSU. And LSU was a fiercer competitor than Georgia Tech. Georgia, in the end, did not win against LSU because they had lost their star wide receiver. And so Georgia lost their whole season. So one decision in the heat of the moment that changed the trajectory of the whole team. That is a game changer. Now, if you're tempted after this service to come up to me and talk to me more about that game, I actually have no idea <laughs> what I just said. Because I asked a member, I asked one of our young adults, Josh Nowakowski, to give me an example in sports of a game changer, and that's what he came up with. So you can find Josh Nowakowski, and he would love to talk to you about that game. <laughs> if it's possible, I know even less about sports than Pastor Neil. So while I appreciate the example, I cannot talk to you more about it. <laughs> game changers are these pivotal moments that change our direction. And in this new year, I have a question for you. Do you want to be a game changer? Do you want to have a positive impact on the world? Because when you become a game changer, you change your life and your faith. But before we even get into the three characteristics of game changers, I want you to do something. I want you to be like Odysseus. So Odysseus is a character from the Odyssey. And the Odyssey is this really long, epic poem and Odysseus is the captain of a ship, and he's going on this really long, boring journey to get home. I'm sorry if that was your favorite book, your favorite epic poem. He's trying to get home. And so Odysseus, in one of the last scenes in the, in the poem, wants to get home, but he has one trial that he has to get through. The water ahead is full of sirens. Now, a siren is a creature that sings a song that causes people to lose all sense of their being and their identity. And so for ships, 
when people hear this siren song, they often wreck their boat on the rocks. Now, you have probably seen a siren, but you had no idea what you were looking at. This Starbucks logo <laughs> is a siren, which in terms of brand logos, it's a brilliant logo because people who hear the siren song lose all sense of their identity and they wreck their ships. So Odysseus knows that the water ahead is full of sirens. But he has this insane desire to hear the siren song. He also has a very human desire to live. So, I mean, it's a toss-up. What are you going to do? So he comes up with this plan. He tells his crew to tie him to the mast of the ship. And then he has them plug their ears with wax so they can't hear the song but he can hear the song. Odysseus was so committed that he was willing to limit his own freedom. But the important thing about Odysseus was he knew that the water ahead was turbulent. And so he pre-committed to living by tying himself to the mast. So I want you to be like Odysseus. I want you to make a commitment to change your faith. This whole series is about ancient wisdom. And so we might say, oh, well, that's really old. It doesn't have any bearing on the way that I live today. I want you to make a pre-commitment to changing your faith. So today we're going to be spending a lot of time in Psalm 101. David wrote this while he was king. This psalm is a declaration of commitment. David is declaring what type of king he will be. David was actually anointed a long time before he became king. So he had a lot of time to think about the future. And he was asking himself this question, what kind of king am I going to be? And maybe this is a similar question that you asked yourself before you got married. What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of wife do you want to be? Maybe you thought about this when you became a boss. What kind of leader will you be? And maybe before you had your first child, you thought a lot about this. What kind of parent am I going to be? And then you went through months of sleepless nights, and you decided, I just want to be a functioning parent. <laughs> right? That's my baseline. I'm functioning. So we're doing great. David decides that he wants to be the man that God chose. So let's read his declaration in Psalm 101. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house, and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily tasks will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. David declares that he is going to lead a life of integrity. Integrity means to have honest motives and to be morally upright. 
Living a life of integrity means that you choose to do what is right, no matter who is around you or who can see you. Within the Hebrew definition is this idea of being complete or undivided. It's whole. It hasn't been broken apart. So in California, we base our lives on the notion that buildings have structural integrity. In a place plagued by earthquakes, we go on freeway interchanges, we enter buildings, we cross bridges, all with the faith that it will not collapse beneath us. However, when a collapse does happen, one common cause is the material used to build that building. The integrity of the materials matters. So if a builder chooses cheap steel or steel that has been mixed with other compounds, that steel is weaker and buildings fall. Integrity is the first game changer that we're going to talk about today. Integrity supports your character. Our habits, they come and they go. But integrity, the unwavering decision to do what is right, that doesn't change. So you want to be a game changer? Live a life of integrity. People who change society are people who have relentless pursuits. They go after their passion relentlessly. Living a life of integrity needs to be a relentless pursuit. It needs to be something that we choose every day in every moment. It can't just be something we said, oh, I tried that once. <laughs> I did it once. It needs to be something that we relentlessly pursue. So what does it look like to live a life of integrity? Well, David says earlier in verse 2 that he will be careful to live a blameless life. Being careful means that we have to slow down enough to see what's happening around us. We have to slow down and look at the things that might be landmines or potential pitfalls and be careful to avoid them. David says that he will live a blameless life and a life of integrity. And within blameless and integrity is this concept that corruption and compromise are not allowed. So when we swerve from the right course, that means that we have compromised. So how do we compromise? Well, later, David says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. David is setting the stage for integrity in two environments. One, his home environment, his family, his actions. And the second, his role as king. So basically, his work environment. These are the two environments where David spends most of his time. And it's interesting that David starts with the things that he sees. We live in a world saturated with images. We see more images than we know how to process. And often the things that we see influence our desires. The things that we see influence the things that we crave. And the more that we see something, the more that we crave it. 
Which is why when you're on a diet, you don't put cookies on your counter. You will crave those. David had a lot of weight on his shoulders. He had a nation to defend, a family to raise. He had enemies that needed to be pushed back and borders that needed to be reinforced. You also have a lot of weight on your shoulders. And maybe you came to church today feeling that weight. It might be a new year, but the same old problems are present. Set yourself up for success this year and choose to live a life of integrity. Choose to do what is right. Make this your relentless pursuit. Relentlessly choose to live a life of integrity. It will take a lot of weight off of your shoulders. Even before you get into situations where you veer from the right path, A lot of the things that we suffer through are because somewhere along the line, we have compromised. And you know who is so good at recognizing when we compromise? Children and teenagers. Because they don't have that abstract thinking. So for them, it's A or B. (laughs) But your prefrontal cortex is a little bit more developed. So you want to say, yeah, but I could reason my way into that. Where a child is like, no, no, it's either A or B. If we have to do the mental gymnastics, because our brains are capable of that, but a child recognizes when we veered from the path, then we have compromised. We gotta keep them around. We gotta keep children and teens around, simply to keep us honest. God love them when they point it out, usually in the most annoying way, but. They're so good at recognizing it. So let's go back to that idea of structural integrity. If we used mixed steel or weak steel, buildings collapse. When we compromise, things fall apart. We get hurt, and others around us get hurt. Choose integrity. Commit to integrity. Be like Odysseus and tie yourself to the mast even before you get into those turbulent waters. When I was in high school, we used to watch a show called Antiques Roadshow. Are there any other fans out there? Am I alone in this? Oh, thank God. Okay. I'm not alone in this. But if you've never seen this show, one, you're not living. But two, (laughs) let me explain it. So on this show, people would bring in items that they had maybe inherited or purchased, they'd take it to an art historian who would appraise the item and tell them if the item was actually worth something or not. Then they'd let the person know if this was an authentic piece of art. People would bring items they found in their attics or things that were lying around their grandma's house, and they'd tell a little story. My grandma got this from her mom, who got this from her mom, who got this from her mom, who got this from the Queen of Spain. And the art historian, very nicely, would say, oh, that's a great story, but this is actually a piece of junk, and it's not worth anything. And then the person would go on their way. Occasionally, though, someone would bring an item that was worth something. They would be shocked to find that something that was sitting in their house was actually worth thousands of dollars. Kind of makes you want to keep old stuff just in case it's worth something. 
The second characteristic of game changers is that they are original. Be original. The people who bring their items to the Antiques Roadshow are looking for original items. They are looking for real, authentic art that is produced by famous artists. Art that is original is more valuable, and the value comes from the fact that the art has a direct link, direct link to the artist. Being original in our own lives is like that art. When we are original, it means we are reflecting our creator, not someone else. So Jim Rohn was a, an author and motivational speaker who once said, you will always be the average of your five closest friends. Whoever you hang out with the most, you will be the average of them. So think about your top five. Top five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of all of them. I think the issue of friends is important no matter how old we get. Everyone deals with this issue of friends. Friends are there to support us, to help us, to laugh with us, to do stuff with us. Friends make life more interesting. But in friendships, we also have to recognize all of us have the power to influence others and to be influenced by others. In today's text, David starts out by pledging to live a blameless life of integrity. And the first four, four verses deal with two environments, his personal life and his role as king. Then he switches, and he starts to enlarge his circle. And he looks outside of himself and his household, and he starts to look at the people around him the people who would have the most influence on his role as king. David can have good judgment as king because the people around him also share the value of integrity. And he says, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. Only by surrounding himself with the best and most faithful people can David be assured that the kingdom of God will be strengthened? And in verse 5, David points out that he won't tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Slander means to lessen someone's reputation. And I read a comparison about it. It's almost like a friend poisons someone, poisons his friend, but his friend has no idea that he's being poisoned. David then goes on to point out conceit and pride. Now, a little pride is good. A lot of pride has the potential to choke you. People who are conceited and proud have incredible appetites that will never be satisfied unless they eat up the whole world. And conceited people chase after ideals that only feed them, not others. So David looked around and decided these are not the people he wants to have an influence on his reign as king. Are these the people that you want to have an influence on you? It does David no good to be a man of integrity if the people closest to him don't share his mindset. He might be an upstanding king, yet the people working in his court might be wicked and corrupt, and that wouldn't make for a very good kingdom. 
Art that is authentic comes directly from the artist. When we trade in our authenticity to copy the behaviors of people around us or behaviors of people we see on TV or maybe the behaviors of people we see online, we are no longer being authentic. You are a child of God. Being authentic and original requires that you make conscious choices about how you want to live your life. It requires us to show up and be real, to choose honesty, to let our true self be seen. All of those have to do with vulnerability. You have been created to be you. And you are a reflection of God. So when you trade that in to fit in, you aren't original. You're a copy of a copy of a copy. Trading in our authentic self, though, is usually done because we crave safety. If we don't stand out, if we don't make waves, then people won't single us out for being different or weird. We choose safety. We're human. But being original and being the person that God created you to be is a game changer. So I think Wally is the most underrated Disney Pixar movie of all time. Prove me wrong. Later. You can try. In case you haven't seen it, it's a movie about a robot named Wally. Wally exists in this post-apocalyptic world. Wally is the last robot left on Earth, and he spends his days tidying up the planet, one piece of garbage at a time. Wally has been left alone for 700 years, so he's a little lonely. All of the humans have left and live on this ginormous spaceship out in space, but Wally gets up every day, cleans the trash, and then returns to his home to watch Hello, Dolly!, by himself. Wally knows what he needs to do, and then he does it. He has a clear purpose. And for that reason, I kind of envy him. Wally doesn't get stuck in this trap of thinking too much about his purpose or wondering whether or not he's living out his purpose. He's programmed to clean up the trash, and then he does it. To be game changers, you have to live with a clear purpose. Having a clear purpose gets you out of bed in the morning. Having a clear purpose directs your decisions. So know this. You have a purpose. Right now. Today. Not when you get older. Not when you get your life together. Right now. You have a purpose. Rick Warren noted in his book, A Purpose Driven Life, that we often search for our purpose by asking the wrong questions. We ask ourselves, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my talents, my skills? All of those questions leave us focused on our individual selves. Those questions will help you figure out how to spend your time and maybe what to do with your life, but not what your purpose is. In order to discover our purpose, we have to look outside ourselves. 
to the one who knows us better than we know our own self. We have to look to God. God has given you those talents and skills, and God asks that you use them to bring him glory. Here's something else crazy. We all have the same purpose. We don't have the same calling, but we do have a common purpose. Wally was created and programmed to pick up trash. Here's where the illustration of Wally breaks down. You haven't been programmed. However, you have been created for a reason. You've been created with a purpose already infused inside of you because of your creator. So let's return one more time to Psalm 101. David promises to live a life of integrity, and then he promises to be an example of integrity to those around him. He carefully chooses his friends because they have a huge influence on him. But what I skipped over was verse 1. The very beginning, David starts out by saying, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. David is describing an act of worship. Worship is focusing all of your attention and thoughts on God. It's honoring God with your thoughts and your attention, with your whole focus. And in worship, we offer ourselves to God. We were created to worship God. Your purpose is to worship God. Worship is a lifestyle, not a calendar event. David starts his declaration of commitment with a worshipful heart. And out of worship flows the conviction and the courage to live a life of integrity. In worship, we surrender ourselves to God. We can't do that without being original because that requires trust. It takes trust to recognize that God is in control and that God has a better idea of what is good for our lives than we do. But we can't surrender without love. David brings up two core parts of God. God's love and God's justice. So let's start with love. We have the capacity to love because God is love. And God's love transforms us. And if you're ever in doubt about how much God loves you, look at Christ on the cross. He willingly died for us so that we could be reconciled to God. Your purpose is to love God and love others. Wally does the same thing day in and day out without much thought for the larger picture until one day another robot shows up and changes his world. Eve is sent to Earth to search for signs of life on the destroyed planet, and Wally is smitten with her. She's another robot that enters his circle, and then she goes back to the ginormous ship in space, and Wally follows her. And Wally's world is blown wide open because he never realized there was a whole world beyond his small place on Earth. Following Eve has transformed him. Following Christ should transform us. Here's why this is a game changer for your life and your faith. When we live at our purpose of worshiping and loving God, it causes us to look beyond ourselves to others 
It causes us to fight for justice in a broken and compromised world. David brought up two core parts of God, God's love and God's justice. Your purpose is to serve God by fighting for justice. Each one of us shares this purpose. Let's go back to Wally one more time. Once on board the ship, Wally encounters autopilot. Autopilot is the computer system that runs the ship. Autopilot does not want to return to Earth. So autopilot is trying to suppress the truth. And when Wally sees this, he takes action. He fights to right the wrong and let others know the truth. That's justice. Justice also involves restoring what is broken. And Proverbs 31 reminds us to use our voices to speak up for those who aren't in a position to use their voice. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Let's not make it more complicated than it is. In the end, our purpose is not about us at all. It's about God. It's about worshiping, loving, and serving God. That's your purpose. And when we take all of these game changers and we put them into practice, our lives change. And our world changes. Live a life of integrity. Choose to do what is right. Be authentic and original. Be you, not someone else. And lastly, live out your purpose to worship and serve God. Be a game changer.